This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Rishi Sunak, a former chancellor, will become Britain's new prime minister after winning the Conservative Party leadership race to replace Liz Truss. His only competitor, Penny Mordaunt, leader of the House of Commons, withdrew from the contest at the last minute after she failed to gather sufficient backing from fellow MPs. She said Mr. Sunak had her, quote, full support. In his first statement, Mr. Sunak warned of the, quote, profound economic challenges ahead and promised to lead with, quote, integrity and humility. As Britain's third prime minister in seven weeks, he will also be the country's first non-white leader. Russian-appointed officials in Kherson, a region in southern Ukraine, said it was recruiting local men into a militia ahead of a Ukrainian counteroffensive to recapture the strategic province. Men in other occupied areas of Ukraine say they have been forced to fight with Russian forces. Western leaders have dismissed Russian claims that Ukraine was planning to detonate a, quote, dirty bomb, an explosive laced with radioactive pellets. Chinese stocks tumbled after President Xi Jinping tightened his grip on power at the Chinese Communist Party Congress over the weekend. The Hang Seng China Enterprises Index in Hong Kong fell by more than 7 percent. Earlier, China belatedly released third-quarter economic data, showing that GDP grew by 3.9 percent over the past 12 months, well below the CCP's growth target. Credit Suisse agreed to pay France 238 million euros, or $235 million, to settle a tax fraud case, but admitted no wrongdoing. Prosecutors alleged that the Swiss bank helped clients avoid paying taxes, robbing the French state of more than 100 million euros, or $99 million. Credit Suisse is preparing for a crucial restructuring on Thursday in a bid to win back investor confidence after a series of high-profile scandals. Yangtze Memory Technologies Company, a Chinese chip company that is a darling of Beijing, asked its American employees to leave the company as it struggles to comply with American President Joe Biden's new chip export controls. The measures include a requirement for American citizens to obtain official permission to support foreign chip production. Simon Yang, CEO of YMTC, stood down at the end of September amid growing Sino-American trade tensions. South Korea's military high command said that it fired warning shots at a civilian vessel from North Korea that had crossed the country's maritime border. North Korea told a different story, decrying South Korea's claims as a pretext for sending two of its own vessels across the frontier. It fired 10 rounds of artillery into the sea as a, quote, warning. An Iranian group hacked into the email server of a subsidiary of the country's atomic energy agency. The hacking group, Black Reward, said it was an act of support for the protests in Iran, which were sparked by the death of Masa Amini. Information from the hack was published online, including a clip reportedly from a nuclear site and personal information of the agency's staff. And fact of the day, 300,000. The number of paintings Steve Keen, an American artist, estimates to have sold or donated since the early 1990s. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Germany marshals a recovery for Ukraine.
Dithering over delivering arms to Ukraine has damaged Germany's international image, but the Chancellor Olaf Scholz seems to have got with the program. Keen to show that Germany, currently the president of the G7, is pulling its weight on other fronts, he will co-host an international conference in Berlin on Tuesday on the recovery, reconstruction and modernization of Ukraine. Mr. Schultz and his fellow host, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, have worked closely with Ukraine's government. The Ukrainian prime minister, Denis Shmihal, will attend the summit in person. The idea is to conceive a martial plan for Ukraine, a, quote, generational task that must start now, according to the summiteers, even though the war grinds on. Mr. Shmihal demands that frozen Russian assets worth up to $500 billion be used to finance the reconstruction of Ukraine, which is projected to cost at least $350 billion. He argues that the prospect of footing the bill for inflicted damage could serve as a deterrent to potential future aggressors. A spooky week for big tech. Alphabet and Microsoft will kick off a nervous earnings quarter for tech firms when they report their latest results on Tuesday. Tech enjoyed a stellar 2021 as COVID forced people to go online to work, shop, and play. This year, it has fallen back to earth. Inflation, war, and broken supply chains have darkened the economic outlook. A strong dollar has made things harder still for American exporters. Most of Silicon Valley is freezing recruitment and trimming budgets. Last week, Snap spooked markets when it reported wilting demand for digital advertising on Snapchat, its social media app. Alphabet, Google's parent company, relies on ads too, though its business has so far proved more resilient. Microsoft has a strong cloud computing division but must reckon with falling PC sales. Later this week, Amazon, Apple, and Meta will also announce their earnings. For some anxious investors, it feels as if Halloween is coming early. Pennsylvania's One Senate Debate John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz, the Democratic and Republican nominees for Pennsylvania's open Senate seat, square off on Tuesday in what is likely to be their only debate. Back when he was trailing badly in the polls, Mr. Oz, who was at ease before the cameras after years of television appearances, had been pushing for five debates. But Mr. Fetterman agreed to just this one, held well after the start of early voting. Mr. Fetterman has never been a strong debater, but voters will be watching him keenly tonight. He suffered a stroke in May, and although his doctor says he's, quote, recovering well and can, quote, work full duty in public office, he also still shows, quote, symptoms of an auditory processing disorder and will use closed captioning during the debate. Mr. Fetterman's wide polling lead from earlier this autumn has all but vanished. The two candidates are neck and neck, and the outcome of this race matters. It could determine control of the Senate. What's the plan for Italy? Italy's new prime minister, Giorgia Maloney, is due to unveil her government's program in Parliament on Tuesday, amid continued grumbling by one of her coalition partners. After weeks of negotiations, Silvio Berlusconi, the leader of Forza Italia, who is on trial for allegedly bribing witnesses, was denied control of the justice ministry. 
Ms. Maloney's high-handedness has, quote, prompted disappointment, said Giorgio Mule, a leading figure in Mr. Berlusconi's party. Ms. Maloney's cabinet, which she named on Saturday, reflects the rigorously conservative concerns of her Brothers of Italy party. Eugenia Maria Rocella, the Minister for Equal Opportunities, for example, will also be responsible for boosting Italy's birth rate. The prime minister is more conventional with her pro-NATO foreign policy, though it remains to be seen how confrontational her nationalist coalition will be towards the EU. And questions remain as to how radical the government's social and financial policies will be. Guillermo del Toro's Monster Mash From Pan's Labyrinth to The Shape of Water, winner of the Oscar for Best Picture in 2018, almost every film made by Guillermo del Toro has featured supernatural monsters. Crawling with Them Too is his eight-part Netflix anthology, which has its premiere on Tuesday. Two standalone tales will be released daily. Each hour-long episode of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities is adapted from a short horror story. Two of these stories were written by the Mexican filmmaker himself and two by H.P. Lovecraft, an American author. Each episode has a different director and a different setting in 20th century America. All have lavish production design and all have slimy, fanged, tentacle-waggling creatures, several of which were co-designed by Mr. del Toro. These cheerfully old-fashioned shockers offer ghoulish Halloween entertainment that is both eclectic and archetypal, featuring plenty of gore, creepy soundtracks, and, of course, monsters galore. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which philosopher wrote the essay The Hedgehog and the Fox? Monday. What is the series title of the seven fantasy novels by C.S. Lewis that begin with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pablo Picasso, who was born on this day in 1881. Art is the elimination of the unnecessary. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.